Thank you for joining us for this message today. If you're new to the church or want to connect in any way, check us out at harborcitychurch.org. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much. And with that, let's jump into the message. Good morning to everybody and to all of you who are online. And uh, in a moment, we're going to be doing part two on the power of hope and turning to Mark chapter five. Uh, but first, let me just say that equip classes are taking place first service uh, each Sunday. So if you want to know what we're about, what we believe, what our vision is, and how you can be part of the dream team, you'll want to be part of those classes. Also, if you're a brand new Christian, you'll want to be part of our Fresh Start classes, which are taking place right now back in the community room and uh, be part of that. You'll learn what it means to be born again, what it means to face battle zones of culture, uh, the basics of the Christian life, and many more things. So if, you need, if you're a brand new Christian or you need to freshen up the foundation of your Christian life, that's a good thing to be part of. Also, as you just heard, don't forget our giving boxes now are all over the place, two over there, one there, one over here, a couple in the, or one in the hallway out there by the women's bathroom and one uh, in the foyer. And that is to let you guys know, we think you're the most generous givers in the world. You guys have been amazing. Uh, and for six months of not gathering, we were able to meet all of our bills and we were able to keep our staff on and we were able to do some modeling as well. So thank you for your continued giving. And uh, if you, as you've heard probably, the envelopes to give are in the back of your chairs in front of you. And then you can just put them in the uh, giving boxes, which are called generosity boxes. And uh, you can do that. Okay, I heard uh, about a, uh, a new police recruit. He was uh, taking his final exam and he was in a large classroom. And the sergeant asked him, what would you have to do if you had to arrest your own mother-in-law? Without missing a beat, he said, I'd call for backup. <laughs> now, that wouldn't be true with my mother-in-law, of course, but for your guys' mother-in-laws. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, how many have been in a circumstance in the last six months where you said, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out. I don't, know how, I don't even see daylight, but God, I'm looking for you in my circumstance. How many have had that happen to you over the last number of months. Well, today, I want to talk to you about how a little bit of hope can change everything. So, let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our, hold them up high, and make your, make this prayer declaration be loud and proud. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive, and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all that says I can do. I can be all that says I can be, and I can have all that says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, in Mark chapter 5, 
there's a story of two people who need hope that Jesus can bring a miracle in their lives. The first point I want to make when it comes to the power of hope, and you can write this down, is you need to face your identity issue. In Mark, uh, in verses 21 through 24, this is what it says. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him uh, while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came when he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. She went, or Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed uh, and pressed around him. So this man is identified by his name Jairus, uh, who has a daughter and other uh, chapters or other uh, uh, books tell us the daughter was 12 years of age, and she needed a miracle. She's about ready to die. He begs Jesus to come and lay hands on her, and Jesus, really, without missing a beat, says, okay, and uh, follows after him. So you need to also this, know this man is identified by his social status. He's an elite religious leader, which means he probably has money as well. But one thing I've learned is that in certain situations, uh, it, uh, it doesn't matter about your status or your position or how much money you have, any of that kind of things. If your spouse or your child's going to die, you will do whatever it takes to save their life, and uh, even if it costs you everything you have. And that's where Jairus is, and he's got some hope because he's heard that Jesus can heal, and so uh, he tells Jesus, I, I need your help. And uh, it might have cost him for some of his fellow uh, synagogue leaders, but he doesn't care. And then there's character number two, and you can write this down. This is a woman with an issue. Uh, In Mark, uh, or in verse 25 through 26, it tells us, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And that's the case of many people. They keep trying everything they can, spend all they have, use all their insurance, all their deductible, and still there's no hope. So uh, she's identified as a woman with the issue of blood. We also know uh, her because of her issue, but we know this because of her issue. She was unclean. No one was allowed to touch her or they would have to go uh, take a day away and clean themselves. And she was not allowed to touch anyone else. In fact, if she touched someone, she might be stoned. So she had been subject to this issue for 12 years. She is identified by her issue. And it was an internal issue. Uh, you couldn't see where she was bleeding. Uh, sometimes nobody can see your depression and no one can see your loneliness or whatever else is going in your life that on in your life that you want to hide. So people only see what we want to show them, and she was beating a place that no one could see. Even Jesus didn't see it, but he felt her presence. I just want you to know, God can feel your presence when you're after him. She also has no money because it tells us she spent, on, she spent everything she had on doctors hoping for a cure, and uh, instead of getting cured, 
she got worse. So here's a question for you. And the place, is the place you go making your situation uh, better or worse? And the reason I ask you that question is because before long, you can start identifying yourself with the information you receive about whatever's going on in your life. You might want to write this down. There's a term that's called learned helplessness or hopelessness. There was a study done in the 1950s. I got this sent to me this week, this story, about a professor, a psychologist actually, came up with the psychological term learned helplessness. In India, he observed how in the jungle, certain tribes would train their elephants and they would take them when they were very young, just shortly after they were born, put a, an end of a chain around their leg and the other end around a concrete post that was uh, cemented in the ground. The baby then would, would uh, only go as far as the chain, would let it go, and then it would go no further. The baby elephant uh, then would, would try over and over again until finally it stops trying. As the elephant gets older and becomes, weighs 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 pounds, becomes part of a zoo or a circus, they can put a two-foot stake in the ground, put a chain on it, and put the other end of the chain on the elephant and if the, on the elephant's foot. And if the elephant goes and feels resistance, the elephant that has all this weight, when he feels the resistance, he will stop because mentally he has learned what they call learned helplessness or hopelessness. They think things like this, I give up. I cannot go any further. I'm not even going to try. I've tried over and over, and now I'm stuck. Even though he's mighty enough to move and tear up the stake, this elephant has learned over and over again, I am helpless to change my circumstances. Maybe some of you feel that way this morning. You came in here today thinking, I'm helpless to change my circumstances. I'm helpless the way my life is, and I'm stuck here, and I can't change it. So what made this woman different? In verse 27, it gives us a key for how you begin to build little steps of hope in uh, your life that can change everything. Verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. So here's your first step to getting a little hope in your life. She heard. And uh, I just want you to know, you can hear all sorts of things about your life, but the moment you activate faith, begin to get a little hope in your life about who Jesus is, it changes everything. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the question this morning is, what are you hearing? What are you hearing about your own life? And are you hearing what God says about your life? How we hear determines if we have hope or hopelessness in our lives. Now, let me tell you how I know this. Has anyone here ever battled weight? You don't have to raise your hand. But uh, uh, anyone who's ever battled weight uh, can understand what I'm, where I'm going. Because if you battle it, you want to lose it, uh, and you want to lose it, and then you get hope because you hear the latest new diet craze that comes on the market, like these new fat pills that you, you can just watch. 
you take one and it just melts the fat away. Now, the reason I tell you this is because when I turned 30, my metabolism changed. Uh, I was 148 pounds when I graduated from high school. And then I started gaining a little bit of weight, which didn't look bad because I was way underweight. And I weighed 168 when I got married. Shortly got into the 180s after we got married. And I remember when I turned 30, my wife, wife said to me, honey, your metabolism is changing and you need to change the way you eat or you're going to keep gaining weight. And I said, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So uh, as of last year or two years ago, I gained a pound for every year we had been married. How many ever heard that? So from 168, 45 pounds, 213 pounds. Right in there. Anyway. So I just want you to know, I did not lose hope or helplessness. I gained hope because every time a new diet craze came on the, on the TV, I heard, that's for me. I tell us, those new diet pills that just suck off the fat, fat that's, that's for me. And she'd roll her eyes, you know, or the Atkins diet, or the keto diet, or the Weight Watchers diet. By the way, Weight Watchers did work pretty well for me. Uh, but you know what worked best for me? Surgery. Just so you know. I wouldn't recommend it, but it did help. All right. Anyway, so, and the reason I would get on these things, here's the reason why. I wanted a quick fix. I wanted something where I wouldn't have to change my habits so I could just keep eating junk and love my life and stay the same and and not have to do anything. So each new plan gave me a little bit of hope. And I learned if I worked out and I kept trying plans, uh, I could keep my weight at a reasonable uh, weight. At least that's what I thought. Uh, See, I would would stand in front of the mirror. This is what I would do. And and Lois would say, you know, you're you're gaining a little weight. She was always really sweet about it. And I'd stand in front of the mirror and I'd go, I don't look that bad. You know the old thing where the swimming suit's too tight and the wife says, I got to lose some weight. And the man looks at it and goes, sheesh, I just need to go buy a new swimming suit. Well, that was kind of my plan there. And so uh, I learned optimism and I learned hope. And that's this woman. Each time she heard about a new cure from a new doctor, she said, that's for me. Until she spent everything she had. Here, there was another study done along with the elephants, and uh, they took some rats, put them in water. They found those rats could swim for about 15 minutes before they drowned. Then they got some rats after those rats passed on, and <laughs> they probably got them down here at the river, by the way. I've seen a lot of rats down there. And uh, he put them in water again, this time uh, at about 12 to 14 minutes when they were beginning to panic, the psychologist reaches, pulls them out. I think I might need some new batteries or something here. Uh, let me check this out here. Eh, I'm good. All right. Anyway, check, so they pull them out, dry them off, feed them, make them comfortable, and uh, uh, he, he would you just feed them there for about an hour or so. Put them back in the water, and here's what they found. Uh, as these 
they, uh, rats got in there. They could swim now up to 30 minutes before they panicked. So they pull them back out, get them warm, feed them, make them comfortable for about another hour or so. And then they found they could swim up to 60 minutes. They kept repeating this process over and over again, and this is what they found. And this, they found these rats could swim minimum of 37 hours and some up to 60 hours because they got a little hope. And this psychologist said, if you can learn hopelessness, you can learn optimism and hope in your life. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there's nothing like the power of a little hope in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you can get a little bit of hope, you can keep on swimming, you can keep on believing, you can keep on praying, you can stay in faith and not give up because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is the foundation of faith. So this woman, get this, she didn't last 37 hours, she didn't last six years, she lasted 12 years, and she's about ready to give up because she's ran out of resources. She's, she's tried every doctor, everything she can, but she's ran out. Sometimes running out of resources is not a bad thing. Sometimes running out of resources will get you to go to where you should have been all along, all right? So she was hearing, but from the wrong sources. In my family, uh, we, we give nicknames. Anybody give nicknames in your family? And so you know, my, my brother uh, Wayne is named Pinky. I have another brother we call Kinky and, and so forth. Uh, we have another brother-in-law we call uh, Stinky. And, uh, and that's where it ends, all right? <laughs> anyway, what I, how would you like the nickname issues? See, her nickname became her identity. There was a time when this woman, uh, she, she had a name, but after 12 years, nobody knew her by her name. Just the woman with issues. She has the issue of blood. She got consumed by her issue, and that became her identity. See, pretty soon, you can start thinking things like, I'm an addict, I'll always be an addict. I'm overweight, I'll always be overweight. You start thinking things like, I'm an angry person. That's just the way I am. That's just the way cottons are. That's just how God made me. Wrong. You start saying things like, it's just in my genetics. And I'm here to tell you today, that's because your genetics haven't met Jesus yet. All right? Now, just like that is true, it's also true of your achievements. Just like people will identify you with your issues, you need to know this. They will also identify you with your position and achievements. And we like that. We think it's great. It's, it's strange. We call the woman uh, by, and define her by her issues, and yet Jairus is called by name, and he's identified as a leader of the synagogue. Just so you know, uh, and, and we like that sometimes. I just want you to know, I don't like it when you guys identify, well, you're a pastor. Do you know Why? Because you think I'm supposed to be more holy than you. How many know that's not true? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Now, I think, you, so Jairus, he's called by his name. He's a leader of the synagogue, which means, again, he's got money. He's got position. He's well known. So let me ask you this. Do you define yourself by your emotions? 
Do you define yourself by your status? Do you define yourself by your lowest point uh, and experience? Do you define yourself by your highest achievement? All of that is dangerous because the moment you start believing that you are what you do or what you, you went through, it creates something inside of you that shouldn't be there. This woman was bleeding on the inside, and that's what happens when your sense of self-worth flows from what you do or what you've gone through, all right? Somebody needs to say this this morning. Say it with me. I'm not what I thought I was. Say it with me. I'm not what I thought I was. I am not what, I, what they told me. I'm not what they trained me to be. I'm not the label they put on me. I am who God says I am. This woman, who is not seen by even Jesus, she self-activates, and that is what you should do today. By being here and getting yourself here, you self-activated whether you know it or not. See, some of you have knee issues like I do. You got up. Some of you, there was a lady in the first service who had a hip issue, and it was hurting. But she got up, and she said this. I need to make it to church, and she self-activated even though she didn't feel like. Just so you know, I didn't feel like coming, but I'm the pastor, so I had to be here. <laughs> so to get a little hope in your life, you need to hear. But I want us to notice this. She didn't get healed by what she heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith begins to grow, but James tells us this. Faith without works is dead. So James tells us, do not merely listen to the word or deceive yourself, but instead do what it says. So let me just tell you this. My heart is that you'll hear the word today and then put it into practice when you leave this place. All right? So what it does is hearing puts you in the, the path and doing puts you in the path of the promises of God to put yourself in the path of grace, hope, and possibility. But she didn't get healed by what she heard. Look at verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. So uh, here's the second thing you need to do to get some hope in your life. She came. She heard and she activated it, she came. And then verse 28 tells us, because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. So the first thing she does, she hears. The second thing she does, she comes. And then she puts action to what she hears. And third, number three, she thought. See, I want you to know our thoughts are keys to everything in our lives. So I'll come back to that in a moment. Here's step number four. She touched. And maybe what some of us need to hear this morning uh, is uh, this morning, instead of waiting for God to touch me, have you ever thought, maybe I should be the one to touch God? Yeah. And that's when God loves it. In fact, you don't see anyone else going after touching God. In fact, I think this is the, the only person we know in the New Testament that goes after to touch God. She touched Jesus before Jesus touched her. And I'm going to, I, I want us to understand, if you're going to be somebody who comes in here, I, I, want, I want to say this strongly in this service. I want you guys to beat out the second service in your motivation and your, and your emotions because, listen, you should be worshiping God with everything you've got. And I'm sorry you can call me Pentecostal. But I'm, I call myself Bapticostal. All right. I, I contend to be Baptist in nature in the sense that I could be part of the frozen chosen. But I'm telling you this. 
What changes people's lives is people have some emotion with the God they love. You raise your hands, you clap, you tell them you love him. And, and, and if you don't think that's true, just ask your spouse. Do they like it when you tell them you love them and you show it to them? Absolutely. Some, you know the old story about the, the, the woman who said, or, you know, you never, she said, you never tell me you love me. He said, I told you the day we got married. If it changes, I'll let you know. You know? And sometimes I think we say, tell, do the same thing with Jesus. If it changes, I'll let you know. No, you need to change, fall in love with Jesus because emotion uh, follows motion. And so when you get the motion going, you'll get the feelings, all right? So she's touched. She touched. And uh, I believe that you need to say to yourself this morning, you know what changes this? God, I'm grateful. God, I need to feel you. God, I want you to know, I, I, I just... I can't get along in this life without you. She thought, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. Look at verse 29. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Here's a key question. What stopped the bleeding? It could have been the touch. It could have been the action she took. But let me just say this. I think verse 28 gives us the key. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Truth is, she heard, she came, she thought, then she touched. See, God wants us to know, you can stop whatever you're going through with a thought about who he is. I I hope you heard that. You can stop whatever you're going through with just a thought about who he is. I'm not my issue. See, the problem is, we think, about our issues far more than we think about him. See, if uh, you, you have been going through it so long, you think the issue is you, but you can, you can stop it with a thought on who he is and what his power can do in your life. I mean, right now, the darkness that has overwhelmed you, you can stop it with a thought about him. Now, she did not get healed because she thought. She got healed when she touched, but she only touched because she thought. I want you to get that. She, the thought had to come first. It all starts with a thought. When I think about the goodness of Jesus, when I think about uh, how the, the Lord saved me, forgave me, delivered me, and healed me, and for, forgave my sins, I, I just want you to know, you can stop the enemy against your life when, you're, when you get hold of your thoughts. And I found this to be true. Thoughts are optional. I, I, I might have a thought, but I don't have to let the thought have me. I don't have to keep thinking like this. I don't have to keep living like this. I don't have to keep bleeding like this. I don't have to live like this, and I don't have to die like this. Now, you, you, you can't see thoughts. So how did Luke and Mark and the, uh, the other gospels that writes about the story, how did they know her thoughts? Here's a key by what she did. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for, and it's not on your notes. You might want to write this down. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, it goes on to say. He says to you, but his heart is not with you. In other words, Proverbs is telling us, if you want to be wise, just watch a person's actions and you'll know their thoughts. Romans 12, 2. Here's the good news about thoughts. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By renewing your mind or your thoughts that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So uh, here's the thing. 
What if she had had a thousand thoughts? She didn't have a thousand thoughts. Did you know the average person has 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day? Here's the key. The one thought she picked to dwell on was the one that mattered. And I want you to get the same thing. I want you, the, the thought you hang on to determines where you go with your life. I think she also thought, I've been sick for 12 years, but she didn't stay there. I, I've been to every doctor, which, by the way, gave me hope in there to hang on all these years. So it wasn't all negative, but she also probably thought, I've been kicked out of every insurance policy. No one wants to hire me because of my pre-existing idea, uh, uh, conditions. Uh, nobody, nobody wants to be with me uh, as a mate. 12 years is enough to completely give up hope. And she would have also thought this, what's the point? I've tried this before. Whatever, he just wants my money too. She, she had some, but the good news is she didn't have any left. That's why some of you come in here and you think, all the church wants is my money. No, just so you know, we've been getting along fine without it. But you need to give because that's the way God made you. He wants you to be thankful. So she had some great thoughts that became ideas, but her thoughts could lead her to the wrong identity as well. That's and, and that's not all she was. She probably was a mom. She could have been maybe at one time, maybe a wife, uh, but now she was maybe left. So she was much more, just so you know, than she thought. See, what happens to a lot of us is we limit uh, what we can receive because of who we think we are. Because she thought, she touched, and because she touched, write this down, step number five, she felt. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and listen, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So just so you know, feelings, you don't live on feelings all the time. Pick the ones you should get and pick the ones uh, that you want to dwell on, but, but thoughts produce feelings. So she felt, and then step number six, get this, she was healed. The bleeding stopped. But do you know what is really crazy? Instead of Jesus getting back on the road to to get to Jairus' daughter, the one who was more important, it seemed like, Jesus stopped everything. And it tells us in verse 30, it tells us uh, here, we see in the scripture, the first instance of contact tracing. (laughs) That's what I call it, (laughs) verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Jesus is saying to us, there's power in the thought of hope. She thought she touched and she said, and Jesus said, I felt that. Now remember, she heard, she came, she thought, she touched, she felt, and feelings followed those thoughts. And he stops and he says, whoa, I felt something. And the woman says, I felt that too. And that's what happens in church services oftentimes. The, The worship starts playing. And, and all of a sudden, you just go, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But the presence of something is touching my life. And if you're not a Christian, you know something's been just strong on your life this morning. It's called the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And verse 31, it tells us, by the way, you, if you have any move, mood changes that are that's like a tornado that come on your life, you might, might want to do some thought contact tracing. And, and look back and say, huh. So his disciples say, and I think this was Peter, really. But his disciples said, 
You see the multitude. You, 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 you are throwing around you. You say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. Do you want us to stop and trace back to when the, you felt the contact? Uh, we, we don't have time for this. Jairus' daughter is dying. So you want us to stop. You don't realize it is a lot of people that's all around you and a lot of things to sort through. You know, my, my physical therapist, uh, Dan Burns, he asked me a week ago, Saturday, he, he texted me after he left and he said, are you feeling a little stress? And I thought, you know, I wasn't feeling stress. <laughs> I didn't think I was feeling stress. But you know how somebody can mention something to you? Well, maybe I am feeling stress. <laughs> and so I did some thought tracing. And uh, uh, so he wrote back to me, said, I know why you're stressed. And I'm thinking, I never told you I was stressed. I must be curt in my answers to you today or something. And Lois said I was a little curt too. And I was like, you guys got problems. I, I, I don't have any. Anyway, so what happened is he said, I know why you're stressed. You're thinking about the sermon tomorrow. And I'm thinking, I don't get stressed out over sermons. <laughs> and Lois said to me, oh yeah, right, right. You know, it is stressful because you're speaking on behalf of Jesus. And you want to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit. And you want to make sure the Holy Spirit's coming through and not you. So sometimes there is stress. But anyway, Jesus goes after the thoughts, and he wants to know who touched him. And uh, so verse 32 tells us this. And Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing. Now, I don't know, or I don't, I know we don't live by our feelings, but sometimes we need to focus on our feelings and see what led to it. So Jesus is asking, who touched me? Because he didn't see her, because Why? She came up from behind him because of her identity. She had to hide it. She wasn't worthy to get in front of his face. She wasn't a gyrus. She was an untouchable person. And so she's covered up. She's got a cloak over, I'm sure. And she doesn't want anybody to know her if anyone did. And she sneaks up behind him and she touches him. And the woman who used to, who's used to be being a nuisance being a bother, being an inconvenience. And I think many of us feel that way sometimes. I know some of you feel that way sometimes coming to Lois and I. We want you to know we love you, we'll pray for you, and if we don't have time then, we'll get back to you or we'll send somebody to you. But we love you. We're not too busy for you. We'll find a way. So that's the way other people treated her. But that's not the way Jesus treated her. And you need to know this. It is stupid to be trapped in what you thought other people think about you. That's called thought tracing, so go back and see where it is. This woman thought she was in trouble, and the reason she thought she was in trouble is because when Jesus stopped on his way to Jairus' house, and she comes up to him, look at verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So listen to this. She heard. She, she came. She thought. She hoped. She touched. She felt. She told, and this is one thing I love about women, and I don't like about women. They don't tell you just a quick summary. She told the whole story. She told him the whole truth. 
She told him what it had been like to bleed on the inside, what it was like, oh, and how she'd ran out of resources and gone to all these doctors, and she had nothing left, and how her, continued, her issues continued to get worse. And she says this, basically, I think this one, I know I wasn't supposed to stop you. I know I wasn't supposed to inconvenience you. I know you're on your way to that important man's daughter's uh, situation. And then Jesus tells her what she already knew. Why would Jesus tell her what she already knew? And then I read verse 34, and I've read this many times, but here's what I know. It wasn't what he told her, it's what he called her that changed everything. And you need to hear this, verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. She's gone from hope to great faith. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Here's step number eight. Here's what he did for her. Here's the real miracle. He gave her a new identity. He called her daughter. Did you know this is the only time in all the gospels where Jesus calls somebody daughter? No one else is called daughter. This is the only time. And Jesus uses this term because he says, I'm on my way to heal Jairus' daughter, but there's another daughter who's forgotten who she is. There's another daughter who doesn't even know she's a daughter. There's another son who doesn't know he's a son. And Jesus says, I want you to know this. I'm not going to let you sneak away like you always have. I'm not going to let you sneak away like a beggar. I'm not going to let you, uh, even though the bleeding stopped, I, I want you to know, I'm not going to let you live the rest of your life with the wrong identity. I'm going to show you your true identity. And the real miracle is this. He gave her a physical miracle, and he gave her a spiritual miracle, and Jesus gave her both, and he wants to do the same for you today. Come on. So here's the result. Romans 15, 13. This is what happens. A little hope can lead to miracles. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of who? The Holy Spirit. A little hope can change everything. Let's stand. Let's worship a bit. Let's worship the God of miracles and do it with everything you got. Come on. Thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of great resources for you over at harborcitychurch.org. Come check us out, and I hope you have an awesome week.